just before this episode of the Politics Unbox podcast starts, um, I'm hoping to get back to normal in terms of recording and putting things out over the next week. I'm probably hoping to get back to daily recordings and uploads. Uh, this one is a longer podcast than normal. I had a lot to say on the economy and I can talk for ages. So, um, yeah, it's going to be about 25 minutes. Um, yeah, and I'll be back to uploading, hopefully daily, in the very near future. Right then, um, I'll hand over to me, I guess. Hello and welcome back to the Politics Unbox podcast. My name is Reese, and today uh, we're going to be kickstarting the podcasts up again. We're going to be bringing them back to a more regular format. And today I'm going to be having a look in a bit of detail at the economic impacts of coronavirus because as we, well, a lot of people now starting to think about exit strategies. I personally think it's a little bit too early to be talking about it. But um, as a lot of people have been asking questions about what the economic impact of COVID-19 will be on both the UK and world economy, it is time, I think, to have a little look and see what uh, well, what the data is pointing at. So today I'm going to have a look at the short-term and long-term impacts on the UK economy and then the short-term and long-term impacts on the global economy. So uh, for the UK economy, I started this off by having to think about what might be happening if there had been no government intervention, just to see what we could have been looking at as a base rate uh, if nothing had happened apart from the COVID-19 pandemic, what would actually have happened and we would have expected to see a massive drop in demand because essentially if everyone is either contracting or um, suffering from or knows someone who suffers from or the workers are suffering from COVID-19 then there isn't really much room in the economy for people to be buying things and um, this could lead to a possible deflationary spiral because if no one buys anything, there's no real demand, and you could fe- uh, you could see a demand side deflation, um, which is a negative for a country. Obviously, at first it reduces the costs of things, but um, once those costs continue to go down, firms stop being able to make profits, and then those firms eventually, um, well, eventually through the deflationary pressure, start to see far reduced profits. They can't function properly. Um, So quality and quantity of goods produced will go down, which is a detrimental factor to the economy, obviously, because if nothing's being made, nothing being sold, well, then you don't really have an economy anymore. As well as that, we would expect to see quite a large recession. Uh, This collapse in the aggregate demand for a country will lead to a recession. Um, If you uh, look at the theories of John Maynard Keynes, the economist whose work became very popular after the, well, during the Great Depression, um, his aggregate supply curve, you'll get areas of mass unemployment um, leading, well, really to um, sticky downwards wages, which is where uh, people start to undercut the wages because they don't make enough profits. But then if governments have something like a minimum wage in place, suddenly you can't um, cut wages anymore, which means you have to fire workers. So redundancy increases, you get massive layoffs, which will only increase um, the harshness of this recession. So that's what we would have possibly expected to happen had there been no government intervention within the UK economy. Um, But with the current levels of government intervention, we would expect to see a much smaller drop in employment because we know 
government, well, she will come round to critiquing some of this in a little bit, but the government's scheme is that 80% of employees' wages will be paid for by central government, and this should result in furloughing rather than redundancy. So the employees will still be kept on, they will still be able to have their wages paid, and the firms won't suffer for keeping them on in a time of economic crisis. Um, this, uh, well, this furloughing rather than redundancy could end up with a mitigated fall in demand. Um, so it could be slightly less than what we would have expected to see had there been no intervention. Unfortunately, don't think that's really going to be the case because much of the restrictions and closures are going to be having a similar effect on consumption and on demand for goods and services as if there had simply been um, COVID-19, which had spread through and had caused people to not want uh, not want to buy things. So we could be seeing a slightly mitigated um, decrease in consumption and what consumers want to buy, and therefore the money flowing around the economy. But we may well see that, again, the restrictions and closures will be um, still limiting that consumption, and investment will be be on hold for the majority of businesses right now they aren't looking to bring forward any purchases they aren't looking to start um, well they aren't looking to increase their investment because quite frankly there's nothing for them to benefit from it at the end of the day a firm is there to provide profits for its shareholders Um, it's probably its primary goal and moment it is not the economic climate to be doing that so if they increase their investment it'll simply be for a dead loss the only real mitigation in um, this fall in demand will probably come for a massive increase in government spending. Um, as the government spending increases, that is a component of demand. Um, so if their spending increases much more than we would expect to see had there been no government intervention, well then that will mark a sort of checking force on the massive crash that will happen from consumption and investment decreasing. Um, we will also, however, likely see a recession. Um, the demand simply has it's fallen off a cliff, mostly. Uh, we we are looking, and we're seeing right now, economic indicators suggesting a recession is on the way, um, possibly even suggesting some countries around the world are already in, uh, or already on um, sort of an unavoidable path to recession. Um, but we can hope that this will be not as far of a fall, again, because of these government actions, which will mitigate this uh, drop in aggregate demand. Um, as well as that, we're likely to see a loss of confidence in the UK economy. So with firms and consumers worrying about the financial stability of firms, they don't want to invest stocks and they don't want to borrow money. So they'll be delaying their consumption, they will be delaying their investment. Um, One thing we can though say is that the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, and his emergency measures will probably have some impact on this. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit more in the long-term impact of the UK economy. Whilst we're on the short-term impact, I'm going to turn to the global economy. Um, It is quite similar to what's going on in the UK economy, but just on a a massive scale. So in terms of the demand levels around the world, it's it's dropped massively. Um, Basically, no one is choosing to purchase many things other than essentials. Um, Whole sectors are on their knees. Uh, You're looking at restaurants, uh, bars, pubs, clubs, hairdressers, um, anything that's been affected by government shutdowns. 
Um, if they're not being helped out by the government, then they are probably looking at the next few months and thinking, well, this could be the end for us. Uh, no one's buying much. Contracts, especially internationally, they're not being negotiated. The level of international transactions has sort of just fallen off a cliff um, because, of course, most countries are starting to close borders. Um, that goes for people and trade. If no one can move between the countries, well, there's no point really in negotiating massive scale international transactions. Um, even Amazon is seeing a, a small drop off um, in its sort of non-essential transactions, uh, although they will still be fine because they are, of course, providing a service which uh, is a delivery at home. As well as the uh, drop in demand, we saw in sort of mid-March, we saw a plummeting of global stock markets. So from the 2nd to the 23rd of March, the FTSE 100 fell nearly 4,000 points. Um, the Dow Jones, the American stock market, crashed by nearly 9,000 points from the 4th to the 23rd. Um, and the Nikkei 225, that's the, uh, the Japanese um, stock market indicator, that fell 5,000 points in a fortnight from the 5th to the 19th of March. Uh, the good thing is all of those um, markets have recovered somewhat, so the FTSE is back up by 500 points as of the 30th of March. Um, this is all by the end of March. Uh, back up 500 points for the FTSE, uh, a 5,000-point rise from the Dow, but again, it had fallen by 9,000, um, and the Nikkei has now halved its um, halved its drop by recovering by 2,500 points. But again, um, the moderate recovery that we've seen from the stock markets as government intervention starts to kick in will possibly fall off again if government intervention starts to run out. Um, what we have, we have a situation where a lot of economies have the capacity to prop up essentially a good proportion of their sectors within their economy for a short period of time. Even in the United Kingdom, we're estimating that for about three months, uh, sorry, for about four or five months, the Treasury can fully fund all of these um, all of these new ventures that it's put itself into whilst keeping everything else running as well. Now, after that point, well, we don't know. So at some point, there is going to have to be a scaling back if this pandemic lasts for as long as some scientists are now expecting, some people expecting us to have some sort of measure, and I hesitate to, to use that, but it's definitely not going to be full lockdown, but some sort of measure in place in the next two years even. Um, looking at that, well, we have to start wondering how long can governments continue uh, with their um, well, with their actions. As well as that, uh, within the global economy, the supply lines have been disrupted. Uh, so a majority of these just-in-time economies have had to scale back production. It's all been disrupted heavily. And as well, um, linking in with the confidence in the UK economy, confidence in the global economy has nosedived. Um, people have been starting to compare it to 2008 already. And when you start to compare it to something that has caused such a drop in uh, global economic confidence, it almost is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Once you start comparing something to something that drops your confidence, well, then that event now drops your confidence because, oh, someone who knows what they're talking about happens to be comparing it to something that was really very damaging. Um, as well as that, uh, the effects on the global economy will be mostly similar to the UK economy, just on a global scale. So there'll be job losses across the world, there'll be falls in consumption and investment across the world. And uh, in most countries of the world, there will be large rises in government spending. Now, to look at the long-term impacts on the, uh, well, on the UK economy, what we have, well, 
Chancellor Rishi Sunak and the Conservative government are spending money like it's going out of fashion. And because the Conservative government has just spent the last 10 years trying to balance the budget, uh, whether you agree with it or not, it was clearly an aim. Um, and the sort of the fiscal rules, um, the the expenditure and uh, taxation rules that have been set throughout this time of Conservative Party rule, I would not be surprised at all if we see an austerity budget in the next year from the Chancellor. So either when it's meant to come out in October, or possibly some sort of austerity uh, spring statement um, in the spring of next year. Um, billions and billions of pounds have been spent or promised by the Chancellor in the last month or so. Um, and as I said, if this Conservative government even cares in the slightest about what it's been trying to do in the last 10 years, it will feel a compulsion to try and rebalance this budget. Um, the money will be recompensed by the taxpayer in higher taxation and possibly uh, cuts in welfare spending or they'll find some other department that money could be taken out of. Um, a lot of people will feel that that would be political suicide. But again, if this Conservative government is sticking to its guns on what it said it wanted to do when it came in in 2010, all those years ago, it sort of has to. Um but we will have to see. Maybe the rules of um, of the economy are completely changing. We just do not know. Um, as well as that, the productive potential of the UK economy is going to probably shrink um, compared to before the crisis. And this has a potential damage to factors of production within the economy. So if you see the physical capital, things like machinery, um, warehouses, possibly not up to the previous standards if they've been left idle for months. Um, you could have a loss um, of people from the workforce. We have a lot of people who are off ill. Um, and as we've seen from the daily press conference, conferences, the number of people who are dying is just increasing. And alongside the horrific human cost, it will also come with an economic cost for the future because there are people who could be contributing to building up the British economy and moving it into into the future and where it needs to go. Um, as well as that, university educations, other training programs, they've been disrupted through, um, well, a lot of them have been closed, a lot of them have sent people home, and of course all the schools are now closed. Um, so that will disrupt the quality of labour. And all this will mean that the productive potential of the UK will be smaller than it was before the coronavirus pandemic. Um, this actually limits the potential for growth within the economy and could stymie some um, some forms of recovery, which would be deeply damaging for the UK. To move on to the long-term impacts on the global economy, um, well, China stopped producing things during that lockdown. For the most, for for a large part of the last sort of month, two months, the factories in China have just not been putting out anything. Um, many factories stopped entirely. And there may well be now some systemic and long-lasting supply line disruptions. Um, all we can say is that as China seems to be coming out of this first, they could really kick into gear and be there. Um, when everyone else starts to open up again, we will just have to wait and see. We're far too early to be predicting any sort of exit strategy, and I will get onto that point just uh, towards the end of the podcast. This one is going to run over. I can I can feel it. Um, as well as that, it's global supply chain disruption. It will limit the effectiveness of globalization. The whole, 
the driving force uh, that has been behind much of the early 21st century, um, globalization could be, well, severely damaged by uh, this pandemic because it is the open borders, it is the trade liberalization. A lot of people will put some of the blame for coronavirus spreading so fast and so globally um, at the uh, the feet of the global economy. Um, as well as that, the just-in-time sector will be disrupted heavily over the next few weeks and months. And we could see some breaking away of the interconnectivity and interdependency of uh, global economies. Now, it's unlikely, just as with the UK's productive potential, that the global productive potential will be at the same level as it was before this pandemic for several months, half a year, more, quite probably. Um, this disruption will shrink that potential of the global economy. It could very well precipitate a, um, well, a global recession. Um, what we're looking at when we're thinking about recessions, there are two main types. We have a V-shaped recession and a U-shaped recession. What people would want to see is a V-shape because although it has a steep fall, it also has a very steep rise after it. And you would expect to see that if there are no systemic or structural problems within an economy. So if um, there are external factors, potentially even uh, a pandemic, which just causes the economy to lose money in it or to be shut down temporarily, um, but then once everything is sort of, to use a horribly crude phrase, once everything's turned back on, um, there's nothing wrong with the economy, so it kicks off again. That would be what people are hoping to see from this pandemic. I, however, have the horrible feeling we'll see the other type of recession, a U-shaped recession, um, now, normally this hints at systemical structural problems within an economy, but that's where you have that drop off, you have that recession, um, and then you keep bouncing along at the bottom, um, sort of without growth for quite a while before you then pick back up, even after um, everything sort of quote unquote gets back to normal. And I think we're probably going to go through one of them uh, globally, as well as in the UK, just because it's going to take a long time for people's behaviours to change back to the way they were. Um, I think people are going to be wary for quite a while. Um, anyway, that's a little bit of a downer. Going to move on to some more impacts on the global economy, and we're likely going to see austerity budgets across most of Europe. They need to maintain their fiscal balances to be part of the European Central Bank and the Monetary Union. Um, as with after the 2008 crash, Germany will probably be the prominent adopter of austerity within the European Union. Um, they were very strict on their fiscal rules. Uh, it was quite a shock to see them sort of break their own fiscal rules to respond to this pandemic. A very welcome shock, and it was almost certainly required. Um, but we're probably likely to see them revert back to their default position of financial sensibility, trying to balance their budgets, some austerity budgets perhaps. Um, the crisis will also probably make some manufactured products more expensive. The factories producing many of these products will have to incur higher costs to restart production in their factories um, because that is more expensive than this continuous production which normally occurs. Um, to move on to the global economy, um, looking at America, the US will likely suffer a massive slowdown and probably a recession, especially if the Trump administration tries to fast-track this reopening of facilities, which could lead to this second wave of COVID-19. To give him his credit, doesn't look like he's going to be reopening them anytime soon. He's going to listen to Dr. Fauci. But uh, there was a time a few weeks ago where he was thinking of sort of getting things open by the 12th of April. Um, just that's ludicrous. But if he gets anywhere near one of those ideas again, then we could see a, um, 
a real painful lesson being learnt in the United States. Um, around three quarters of US citizens are under lockdown, which means the US economy is not operating at max capacity. This will lead to that slowdown, probably a recession. And um, we are looking at economic indicators in the United States, which suggest that this re- recession is now inevitable. There's nothing that can be done to um, well to get over it, because the definition for a recession tends to be two quarters of negative economic growth. Um, we will, well, we hope that most countries avoid it. We're not hopeful that they will, though. Um, the US, however, will probably recover relatively quickly. Um, now, that's in the purest economic terms, not on a human level. Um, there are going to be families torn apart. There are going to be entire communities ripped to shreds, just like in the wake of any other major economic crisis only this one with the added horrors of it being a pandemic. But on a purely economic level, they will probably be able to recover some um, to some semblance of normality relatively easily because, like I said, this is not a particularly structural problem within the economy, but it's a problem caused by restrictions on the economy placed there during extenuating circumstances. And once those restrictions are lifted, it is likely... And most people are suggesting the U.S. economy could recover fairly well because there has been recent strong growth in their economy. But that growth is likely to be slower than what it was before, which um, ironically could mean that this growth in the U.S. economy is sustainable in the long term, which before this pandemic, it had looked like becoming unsustainable if it had been left unmoderated. Um one final point. I know I've run over, um, but these are important points. I've been wanting to do an economy episode for quite a while. One final point. Global oil prices are crashing. Petrol in France can be bought for less than a euro. Um, UK petrol stations have been selling them at £1.05. Um, this crash in oil prices could be the precipitating nudge to cause a full-on global recession. Um, this factor alone is a bad economic indicator and it is a sign that we could see a recession coming. Combine that with a pandemic which is already being talked up as a cause of a recession, um, well we could be seeing a double hit. Um, In March crude oil fell to below $30 a barrel and Russia is not contemplating stopping production and the Saudi Arabians are upping production Um, to sort of retaliate against Russia. And this could lead to dire economic consequences once combined with the reality of the threat that is COVID-19. Obviously, we hope that these scenarios don't play out, but on the face of it, looking at it right now, they look likely. Just to add some flesh on this final final point before I sign off, um, the points I was making about exit strategy... At the moment, countries are probably in the preliminary phases of planning their exit strategies. We are quite a way off yet. Um, How these exit strategies go, however, will determine the state of the global economy and the state of the health of the world after this pandemic. A lot of countries will probably have to go through a very painful period where they roll back their restrictions too soon. And that will lead to a second spike for them in coronavirus. um, And it will then lead to a harshening of restrictions again before they release them for a second time 
after a more prolonged period and it probably works. Now it's uh, not a nice prediction to have to make but just based on um, past experience with uh, removing restrictions of pandemics and the general mood of most people, uh, most economies being to try and get things open again fast so that they avoid the direst of economic circumstances, it doesn't look like being too far off what might happen. Um, what that means for the global economy, well, we will have to wait and see what actually happens first. We know that in South Korea, they had relaxed some of their restrictions and now some of them are being put back on in the major cities. Um, we will just have to wait and see. At the moment, all of what I've said today is a best guess. We just will not know what's going to happen until we see the exit strategies, until we see the evidence of businesses either starting up or folding or the money from the government getting to people. Um, and at the moment, all of this is just some fairly heavy, juicy conjecture. So hopefully we will come out the other side of this Um well, hopefully we'll come out the other side of this in a healthy economic position, but it's not looking particularly strong at this current moment in time. Um, right, this is a long one. Um, sorry about that, guys, but there was a lot to be said, and it really did need to be said, because, I've been, as I said, I've been wanting to do this economics special for quite a while. Um all I will say now is that is all the time we have for today on the Politics Unbox podcast. I would like to thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope to see you around again soon for the next one, which should be out a lot sooner than this one was out. Um, and uh, yeah, see you around. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.